Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is a little bit extra for you on your Thursday afternoons. It is March 9th, 2013. 2013, holy shit. I just went back in time, 2013. I'm sorry, I just woke up from a fucking nap. 2023. I just got done texting Jesse, man. I'm a little fucking loopy. But I appreciate you guys joining me on... This Thursday afternoon, wherever you may be, man. We got a lot to get into. We got a lot to get into today. Um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I'm sitting here thinking it's 2013. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the news. And I am looking over everything that I got to get into today. And I still can't believe the... Feeling in the community that Vince McMahon being back in Gorilla is not a big deal. I don't really understand how people are looking at that situation and not really thinking that it's a bigger deal than WWE is letting on. Something like that should be at the top of everybody's list of stories for the week. A story like that should really be something that everybody takes serious. WWE has lied to you. WWE has played you. WWE has played the media. WWE sends Nick Khan on these interviews and on these business talk shows, and he says one thing, and then the company doesn't really do and follow through with what they need to do. I don't like being lied to. I don't like listening to something and then completely a, a, a whole different thing happens. They say something, it's the opposite. Vince McMahon being back in Gorilla after we were told that he was merely there to visit John Cena is a blatant, flat-out lie. And I don't know why anybody in the community, I don't know why anybody that does this thing is not taking it as serious as people should be taking it. So that's what we're going to go over today. That's the big story today. On top of Triple H, he's already planning to stack, if he's even still in charge by that point, planning to still stack WrestleMania 40 going into Philadelphia next year. So we'll go over that. That's a story that broke yesterday. We'll go over that. We got news on Kenny Omega and his contract status said by Tony Khan. We got news on FTR and their contract status we got news on Backlash. We'll go over that. We got news on WrestleMania this year. There's a ton of stuff that we're going to get into, man. We're going to dabble in a little bit of AEW. We're going to dabble a little bit in WWE. And I want to thank you guys for joining me on your Thursday afternoons, wherever you may be. Apparently in 2023, uh, I think it's 2013. That's uh, where my head is at, man. This is... Uh... We've been going strong, man, since Friday. Since Friday, we've... Uh... Been live on Friday last week for SmackDown. 
Saturday with OTS, Sunday with Revolution, Monday with Raw, Tuesday with NXT, Wednesday with Dynamite. Today is the seventh stream in a row, man. Tomorrow, that streak will be broken. Because I will not be live tomorrow night with SmackDown. We'll be live on Saturday afternoon with SmackDown. So make sure you guys mark that on your calendars. I will not be live Friday night with SmackDown. I will be at the NYC Arena in Queens, New York with Jason the Solomonster. And we'll be doing commentary for House of Glory's show tomorrow night. Main event is Fred Rozier versus... The Samoan Werewolf, Jacob Fatu, and Kushida is making his House of Glory debut against our favorite, Loki. So those are the two big matches tomorrow night. It will not be streamed on Fight TV. Don't ask me why. I don't know why it's not being streamed on Fight TV, but hopefully we're praying to the wrestling gods that this show somehow finds its way onto YouTube. Or it finds itself somewhere on social media so that you guys may actually get to watch some House of Glory. So I don't really understand why that hasn't been done yet, but we will get there. And hopefully we will get those shows out to you so you guys can see all that stuff. Speaking of shows, Jesse has a Ring of Honor watch along. That's happening at 7 p.m. You guys know where to find him on YouTube, at Chi-Town Smart. I don't know if Ring of Honor is going to be two hours tonight like it was in the first week. I don't know why the show needs to be two hours. I don't know who wants to watch two hours of that. Doesn't need to be two hours, so hopefully they cut that down over the course of the next couple of weeks. But Jesse's having a watch-along for Ring of Honor if you guys want to go hang out with him after you guys are done here. You can certainly go check him out. 7 p.m. over on his channel. I got some great news, man. One half. One half of the design for my mother's basement is already completed 100%. I got the final draft for one half of my mother's basement completed today. We are getting very, very close to the debut of my mother's basement. And when I tell you, man, the finished product is absolutely going to blow. What you see here, the beer garden, everything that Deviate has done for this channel over the last couple of years, they have absolutely given you their crowning work with this design. It's unbelievable. And the funny thing is, we're only getting started, man. The ideas that I got, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a whole fucking universe, man. So that's coming soon. I can't wait to show you guys that. Reason I say that, it's going to be VIP only for the first night, man. So if you, you want to get in on that and be invited to the debut night, the opening night of my mother's basement, it's going to be VIP only. So hit that join button down below. Make sure you guys go and become a channel member right here on Off The Scripts. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Again, go check out all the other content. There are six days. Six days 
worth of live streams that you guys could catch up on. Go check that out. YouTube Shorts. Everything you need is on the homepage. Just navigate yourself. Everything's categorized, man. Shorts, live streams, videos. It's all easy for you. Go check all that stuff out on the homepage. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And please make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. If you enjoy anything you see from this show today, if you enjoy what you hear, if you have a good time in the chat, please make sure you hit that thumbs up. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps me out and helps the channel out tremendously when you do. So please hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes right here on today's OTS. We're going to get into the news, man. We're going to start with the Bad Bunny being announced to host Backlash. WWE is bringing Backlash back into Puerto Rico for the first time since New Year's Revolution in 2005. This was major news that broke yesterday via WWE. Their first premium live event in San Juan in 18-plus years. WWE announced yesterday that the two-time Grammy Award-winning and global recording artist Bad Bunny will host Backlash on Saturday, May 6th from San Juan, Puerto Rico. That's Cinco de Mayo weekend. On top of WWE being in Puerto Rico for Cinco de Mayo weekend, it's going to be a major, major party. Should be awesome. Backlash marks the first WWE premium live event to take place in Puerto Rico since, like I said, New Year's Revolution, January 2005. In 2005, when I was a kid, I wasn't able to attend New Year's Revolution, said Bad Bunny. Finally, 18 years later, WWE returns to the island with a massive event, and this time I will not miss it. We're excited to bring Backlash to San Juan as the demand for WWE premium live events outside of the continental United States continues to grow, says Triple H. Bad Bunny is one of the world's most popular entertainers, and nowhere is that more evident than his native Puerto Rico. Got to shout out my friend Issa because she was actually at one of the more recent scrums. I don't remember what it was for. It might have been for the Royal Rumble, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Triple H was asked by our resident Demon Diva about possibly WWE coming on in to Puerto Rico. She asked that question because I know how proud she is of, uh, of Puerto Rico, and she lives there, and she's there taking care of her mother, and she's ingrained in everything that goes on there. And it's a part of her that is very evident in everything that you see that she does. She asked Triple H this question, and I love the fact that she had no fear in asking him something that was completely out of left field for him. He probably didn't even anticipate it. And at the end of it, he gives her a wink. And I watched that as I watched it back after our live stream from the Royal Rumble. I watched it back, and I watched that clip. She posted it on her social media, and I watched it, and I said, yeah, he's got something brewing. He's got something brewing. We did not know how soon he had something cooking up, and this news broke yesterday. 
that they are indeed going back to Puerto Rico. So WWE is going to be in Puerto Rico for May 6th, Backlash, and then WWE is going right back to international seas, international waters for the Saudi Arabia show where they will do king and queen of the ring. So WWE is quote-unquote going international for the two shows in May. Now, the Puerto Rico show is not really international as Puerto Rico is a part of the United States. I got blasted on social media because I labeled international shows in Puerto Rico in the same tweet, and I I angered many, many virgins online because uh, of uh, the misinterpreted tweet. So be careful if you're out there and you claim that this is an international show. To everybody, it's a very sensitive topic if you are from that part of the globe. So just watch out as I had to deal with a bunch of uh, blocks on social media yesterday. I'm excited about this. I'm excited because I'm already possibly, I'm not making any, any promises. I'm already possibly thinking about maybe attending this show because, A, I've never been to Puerto Rico, believe it or not, and, B, the energy that is going to be there is going to be tremendous. Plus, I like to party, so, you know, it, it, may, uh, it may be a fun thing. And the reason why I say that is because I usually tend to look at Memorial Day weekend as like, yeah, I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to go do the AEW thing. I'm going to do the, the, the whole double or nothing experience. But man, oh man, I got to be honest with you. You know, these, these wrestling quote-unquote vacations, they are way too expensive. And it's not because I can't afford it or, you know, for any monetary reason. If I wanted to go, I could go anywhere I fucking wanted. But the fact of the matter is, to go there and rent an Airbnb or a place of, of residence and work and set up shop and then do the media and then maybe miss out on the stream and do the media scrum instead. And you got to get food and, and drink and you got a, a plane ticket. I mean, before you know it, man, you're racking up $3,000 fucking dollars. Easy. Just for that weekend. That's, a, that's an exorbitant amount of money for a wrestling show or a wrestling experience. Not a big fan of the, of the national holiday pro wrestling theme shows. I'm not. I, I wish that would change. I wish that they would push it back a week and we can maybe do, you know, Las Vegas, not on Memorial Day weekend. But they got their deal. They got their whole little setup. So nobody's going to tell them to uh, do something and then have them change it. So, so maybe, maybe we do Puerto Rico, man. I've never been to Puerto Rico. And like I said, the energy is going to be tremendous down there for backlash and plus the, uh, the 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 whole the whole surrounding you know Puerto Rico it's it's going to be something that they desperately desperately deserve because of all that they've been through and, and all that they have had to go through and the natural disasters that hit that part of the globe it's it's something that you know is going to bring everybody together and the energy because of that is going to be tremendous and, and heartwarming and I'm glad that WWE finally decided to go and do something like that and go to a place where they haven't been to in 18 years. It's tremendous. It really is. And I like the fact that WWE is venturing out to other parts of the world. You know, we talked about this when Vince McMahon was in charge. It was like pulling teeth to get WWE to go and do a pay-per-view, never mind a fucking show, a pay-per-view somewhere overseas or pay-per-view in a different time zone. And here we are, Triple H is welcoming that and broadening the WWE experience to fans around the globe. We got Puerto Rico on May 6th. We got 
the O2 Arena for Money in the Bank. We had Clash at the Castle, which was a tremendous show, and the crowd was probably the best WWE crowd all year last year. I love that they're branching out. I'm wondering why AEW hasn't really announced what they want to do for their UK show because it's rumored that AEW is going to have a UK show this year. I don't know why they haven't really got on the ball with that. I'm not even sure if that was asked in the media scrum when Tony Khan is maybe possibly thinking about announcing that show because I'd like to go to that too. I've never been to the United Kingdom either. So, you know, shows like that, shows like this, catch my interest, pique my interest because those are places that I've actually personally never been. So... Dave Meltzer noted that the feeling with this show is that WWE holding premium live events, you know, obviously outside of their comfort zone in other places around the globe is great. They will have tough competition, such as boxing and UFC events. It's, it's something that they're thinking about, and it's not enough crossover with fans that would impact WWE shows. So they feel like those shows aren't going to really impact their shows if they put these shows on a weekend where there's a boxing or a UFC show, they feel like there is not enough crossover that it would impact their show severely. Also, if fans don't watch the shows live, it's not a big deal because they're already, you know, uh, on Peacock and WWE has guaranteed money from Peacock. Anyway, it's not like they're losing pay-per-view buys or, you know, anything pay-per-view monetarily because they are putting something on on a busy weekend and then fans opt to go watch something else and then they're losing out on pay-per-view buys. It's on Peacock. You go watch it when you want. It's on demand. WWE doesn't really care about that. No sweat off their back. WWE will be gigantic in Puerto Rico, says Dave Meltzer. Every time they go there, they draw well. Pay-per-view is going to sell out instantly in a hot crowd. It's Cinco de Mayo weekend, and it's in Puerto Rico. This also sounds like a Nick Khan thing because Cinco de Mayo, a big event, a big event, and the feeling, even though boxing is mostly, most likely going to run with Canelo that night, UFC is going to run, and their mentality is the crossover is not as big as it used to be, so they can run with no problem. Plus, it's not pay-per-view. It's free on Peacock, so even if people want to watch the UFC that night, they can watch WWE later. That is their mentality. Everything's changed because of the fact that it's on Peacock. They would have never done these European shows earlier in the day because of the idea if it's pay-per-view, it's got to be in that time slot, that prime time slot, or it's not going to sell well because people are used to that time slot and buys go way down if we move out of that time slot at 8 p.m., says Dave Meltzer. No reason why WWE shouldn't be doing this more often. I welcome the overseas shows. I welcome the international shows. I welcome this show. It's going to be great. It's always great to get out from your home base from the United States, to go to a, a UK, to go to an Australia, to go to a Saudi Arabia. I mean, I'm not a big fan of those shows, but the crowds there as of late have been a lot better than they used to be in the first go-around in Saudi Arabia. This Puerto Rican crowd's going to be fucking tremendous. Love it. Absolutely love it. It's going to be great, and I can't wait to see what happens with Backlash. You know, a lot of people are already saying that, will Roman Reigns walk into Backlash as the WWE champion? I don't know. Some people are already wanting Damian Priest in a major profile match, being that he is from that part of the globe as well. We will see. Is Bad Bunny going to get in the ring? Is he going to be a host only, or is he going to get in the ring and actually perform? Because we know he's capable of performing. I don't know. Only time will tell, but it's going to be an exciting one, to say the least.
WWE. Speaking of pay-per-views and big matches, major matches, marquee matches, WWE is in the process of possibly getting legalized betting on the WWE product approved. Now, there is an internal reaction to this. Some people are like, I don't know if that's going to work. Some people are in favor of this. Keep in mind, it's a scripted sport. It is all predetermined how this is going to work. I even questioned. And the one thing that I questioned out of all this when I first heard this story was, how is this going to impact creative? Because that's the one part that I have a problem with. Is it going to be a a problem for the creative side of things if there is legalized betting on WWE matches? On Wednesday, Alex Sherman of CNBC reported that WWE is in talks with regulators in the states of Colorado and Michigan about legalized betting on high-profile matches. The company is working with Ernest & Young to secure the secrecy of match results to show the regulators that betting would not be impacted by results leaking before the matches happen. Good luck with that. Obviously, a lot of changes will have to happen should this go through as it impacts anyone who would know the finishes of the matches. Sometimes the fans themselves know the finishes of the matches because of how things play out, specifically on WWE television. Sometimes you know. Sometimes you know when an end feud happens that... You know, wrestler A is going to beat wrestler B. What happens then? Is WWE going to fuck with the creative and swing the other way to kind of sway the bets to go from what is predictable to what is not predictable? That's what I'm concerned about. So WWE is trying to get the secrecy of match results down so that it could show regulators that betting would not be impacted by the results leaking before the matches happen. So, a few years ago, someone in WWE would leak the pay-per-view results, leak matches with nearly 100% accuracy on social media shortly before events would start. You you could go to Reddit, you could go online, there are people that come out with troll accounts, you know, mock Reddit accounts, and, and they are people that actually work within the company anonymously, nobody knows who they are, and that shit would cause a whole slew of problems. To prevent this from happening again, WWE will have to keep a lot of people, wrestlers, agents, and the creative team out of the loop regarding match finishes ahead of time until right before an event takes place. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer talked about the changes that would have to take place and noted that people are rolling their eyes at this idea. I don't know if the people who are wanting to do this to get in with DraftKings and get sponsorship money, while at the same time, kind of like screwing up the booking aspect of wrestling, really understand wrestling. Because they come from different backgrounds. Wrestling doesn't really fit into the sports thing. I call it a sport. It's it's a competition. I call it a sport. I think it's a sport. There's so many aspects that most don't understand. Just the vibes that I've gotten from people are just kind of like, rolling their eyes and just thinking it's really not a good thing, but it still might happen. It may be one of those changes, and maybe they feel that this will raise the price value of the company when they explore a sale of the company, because now there's gambling 
and they can tell people who they are selling it to that we are going to have to have a big increase, you know, for the sale. And there's going to be a big increase in the popularity because now gambling is involved and all the gambling and the legalized betting is going to, you know, be, is going to allow these things to be. So they go on to say, Meltzer says, maybe, maybe they think that's the case. It's uncharted water. It may make it more popular in some ways, but they can't do predictable finishes 70% of the time, not all the time. Meltzer added that if it does go through, then it will mess up how the business operates for both wrestlers and those in charge of creative. It really screws the main event talent a lot because they're not going to know where they are going. And it screws the booker because he's going to have to book in a logical manner and an illogical manner at certain points in time to keep from being predictable. So there you go. End quote. I wrote a couple of things on this as far as pros and cons for the legalized betting of WWE in Michigan and in Colorado. It's only those two states right now, but it could transform from that, from those two states to being more obviously. Are there any good reasons to legalize betting in WWE? Potential increase in revenue. Meltzer just talked about that. Legalized betting could potentially bring in significant amounts of revenue especially if the company wants to be sold uh, in the next three months or so, like Nick Khan wants. You know, significant amount of revenue for the professional wrestling industry, which could be reinvested to improve the quality of the product, to overall, you know, boast the sale of the company and get WWE a little bit more uh, as far as the sale goes. Pay wrestlers higher salary. They'll have more money coming in. Who knows? More fan engagement. You may get new fans born of... You know, betting on the WWE, you may get people actually watching the show that don't actually watch the weekly shows. You may get people watching the WWE product that don't really give a shit about pro wrestling, but are going to watch and bet, and then maybe themselves become a fan. Who knows? So those fans, you know, could have a little bit more engagement in the product after not really caring or watching the product. Viewership may increase. You may get some fan loyalty out of that. That remains to be seen if that actually will happen. More opportunities for wrestlers. Legalized betting could create more opportunities for wrestlers to showcase their skills, increase their popularity, potentially leading to higher salaries and obviously more job security. Those are the only things that I really came up with. None of these, none of these potential benefits are guaranteed. So those are the only things that I could really think about as far as a positive for legalized betting in the WWE. Now, now the cons. Those were the pros. Now the cons. Damage to the reputation of the wrestling industry. It's a scripted entertainment. Professional wrestling is already viewed as a low-brow, low-blow fucking form of entertainment. You know, it's a circus to many people. A lot of people you talk about pro wrestling, do you still watch that shit? People always have this negative stigma when it's surrounding pro wrestling, people usually look at pro wrestling with a lot of skepticism. This is by, this is by some people due to its scripted nature. This is due to some people because of, the, of the, 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 the writing that you see on the show, the childish-like writing, the antics that people know and have come you know to know about pro wrestling that have come accustomed to 
with pro wrestling that you used to watch in the 90s and in the early 2000s. Legalized betting on wrestling matches could further damage the sport and its reputation. Wrestling is already at a low place. We don't want to damage the reputation of pro wrestling anymore and make it harder for people to watch the show and, and to bring people on. I wouldn't want that. I mean, it's part, of my, it's part of my way of life as well. I would not want that. You're going to compromise the wrestlers and you're going to compromise the integrity of the matches. You know, legalized betting on pro wrestling could incentivize wrestlers. And this is something that I actually thought about when I first read this story. Legalized betting could incentivize, imagine, because gambling is a dirty fucking business, man. Imagine somebody going into one of these matches and, and throwing the matches to sway you know, the betting in their favor. Maybe they get a cut of it. This could lead to matches being thrown. I don't know if that's going to happen in WWE. I don't know if that's really even a possibility in WWE. There, there could be some serious ramifications if it does come to something like that. But the integrity of matches being thrown, hurting the credibilities of the wrestlers, wrestlers throwing matches or intentionally losing, referees getting involved and doing something that they're not supposed to do. This will lead to the entire integrity of the match being ruined. This could ultimately hurt the credibility of the industry and its performers. Why would you want that? Why would you want anything close to that? Then you got the pressure on the wrestlers. Wrestlers are already under a great deal of pressure, getting the match ready, getting in shape for the match, you know, going over everything that they need to do to make sure that it's right, the physicality that goes into these matches, the mental preparation that goes into these matches to perform well. Legalized betting on wrestling could add another layer of pressure, leading to increased stress and potentially even affecting the mental health of all the wrestlers involved. You don't want that. You want a happy workplace. You don't want to add more stress on top of what is already a very stress stressful environment. Corruption. Legalized betting could increase the risk of corruption in this sport with outside parties attempting to influence the outcome of matches in order to win bets. Imagine that. Imagine something that we watch as a fan base and, and everything's lining up and WWE's got all their eggs in one basket and then you get some fucking scumbag in some situation who's going to corrupt the outcome of a match to sway it in his decision because he's got money on it, moving away from what it really should be. Don't like any of that. There's already enough corruption in the pro wrestling industry as it is. Legal and ethical issues. Negative impact on the fans. Introdu introducing betting uh, on professional wrestling matches could have a negative impact on fans, particularly those who are just more of a casual fan base who could make the sport feel like more like gambling and less like entertainment, more like gambling, less like pro wrestling, turning some fans off from even watching the product altogether. Nobody wants to watch that. Increased focus on betting odds. There's going to be a difficulty in maintaining storylines. This is the part that I am most interested in. Professional wrestling relies heavily on storytelling and building long-term story. The introduction of legalized betting could make it difficult to maintain any of these stories as the outcome of these matches would be subject to outside influence. You don't want anything like that happening. Imagine, imagine the betting on the bloodline story and then the betting sways the outcome of what we know it should be to something else. You won't want that. Nobody wants that. Increased pressure on the creative team. Bookers are already under a great deal of pressure to create compelling storylines and compelling matches. The introduction of legalized betting could add another layer of pressure as they 
would need to take into account the odds and potential outcomes of each match. Instead of having it just more of a streamlined creative, let's have a beginning, let's have a middle, and let's have an end. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a journey. As soon as you get money involved, all that shit goes right out the window. And the most important thing that WWE, and you know, you know, WWE doesn't want anything to fuck with their money. This could actually lead to a negative impact on sponsorships. Not all these, not all these major companies that want to do business with WWE, not all of these major companies look at gambling as a positive thing. You know, they may not want to be in bed with WWE if they are known to legalize betting on their matches. Legalized betting on professional wrestling could turn off potential sponsors who don't want to be associated with the WWE with gambling or betting. This could limit the amount of money available to the industry, could limit the amount of money WWE can make, and make it harder to attract top-tier talent. So, I mean, the cons definitely outweigh the, uh, the, the pros, for sure, in this situation. It's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be monitoring. I don't like it. I don't bet. I don't really... I don't really have any interest in that. And I'm more of the, the fan base that wants creative. I'm very specific on the creative and the long-term booking. How is this going to affect the writing? How is this going to affect what we see on TV? I mean, WWE already has a problem with booking themselves into fucking problems on TV. Imagine if you get money and legalized betting involved. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. I hope, I hope this goes nowhere, but knowing WWE and how greedy they are and, and wanting all the avenues to make as much money as possible, uh, I suspect something's going to come out of this uh, in 2023, and, and I, I, don't, I don't really find myself being a fan uh, of legalized betting in the world of pro wrestling. WWE has started asking wrestlers, started asking wrestlers about the Hall of Fame inductions. There's not one announcement for the Hall of Fame yet. We are looking at it being March 9th, 2023, and we have no Hall of Fame inductions. Not one. Now, the reason why I said that there may not be a Hall of Fame induction is because Vince McMahon wants to be hands-on with the Hall of Fame inductions. Even though Triple H is in charge of creative, how much say does he have in choosing the Hall of Fame inductions? Probably not much. If Vince McMahon is still sitting in Gorilla, I can guarantee you that Vince McMahon is going to be in charge of choosing who goes into the Hall of Fame this year. WrestlingNews.co reported on February 20th that word going around is that a former WWE champion will be headlining at this year's Hall of Fame. A lot of people are believing that it is Dave Batista. I don't know how likely that is. We haven't had anything announced as of yet for the Hall of Fame, but I know Dave Batista has come out and stated that he wants to be in the Hall of Fame and he wanted to do it with fans in attendance. He didn't want to do it in front of a PC crowd, in front of virtual screens with no actual people there. He wanted to be in the fans' presence and give thanks in person, and you cannot blame him for that. So he turned it down. When he was announced... He turned it down because he wanted it to be legit and not in front of a virtual screen. WWE is still planning on airing the Hall of Fame ceremony after SmackDown goes off the air from the Crypto.com Arena. Ridiculous name for an arena. The former Staples Center, I believe. On March 31, while speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that WWE has started asking people whether 
they would be interested in being inducted. He says, and I quote, we don't know who is in the Hall of Fame. By the way, I'm not at liberty to say, but I do know that people are being axed for the Hall of Fame. I don't know why we're a couple of weeks away and they haven't announced anyone, but I guess that Paul Levesque's thinking is to announce everyone in the last week or something like that because, you know, they clearly still have the Hall of Fame ready to go. We're running low on time and nobody has been announced, says Dave Meltzer. Meltzer continued and said, yes, they're doing the Hall of Fame. It's after SmackDown. So they presume people will buy tickets for SmackDown. It will be at 1030. I don't know how many, but I do know the people who have been asked. He does know the people that have been asked, but he's not, he's not at liberty to say, says Dave Meltzer. I don't know. I don't know. It's very weird that they haven't announced anything. This is not like WWE. They figured that um, the fans are going to be there anyway. Another thing that I was thinking about, that if it's happening after SmackDown, they, they probably they probably figure the fans are going to be there anyway. It's not going to be any additional sweat off their back. It's not going to be a separate event from SmackDown and WrestleMania and NXT Stand and Deliver. If WWE was doing this as its own show, they probably would have announced fans already. They probably would have announced um, uh, tickets to be on sale, A, and then they would have announced a Hall of Fame class already. We probably would have been nearing the end of, uh, of the Hall of Fame class. If this was a separate event, you can guarantee there would be a fucking Hall of Fame class already announced. But the fact that WWE has SmackDown, and then they're doing the Hall of Fame ceremony after SmackDown, and those fans are probably going to be there for the Hall of Fame ceremony anyway, there's no desire, there's no rush to sell tickets because the tickets would have already been sold for SmackDown. So WWE's feeling like, well, people are already going to be there. We'll just announce in the last week, two weeks or so, and nobody's going to give a shit. Maybe that's their line of thinking. I have no idea. I wonder how much Triple H is actually going to have a say on who goes into the Hall of Fame this year. I would love to know who Triple H, if he was there and it was his, his sole decision, I'd love to know who he would have inducted into the Hall of Fame if Vince McMahon didn't have any influence at all. That's what, I'd be, that's what I would be genuinely concerned with. But WWE, I mean, it's March 9th. I, I would give this till maybe two more weeks and maybe we get a Hall of Fame induction. Depends on who says yes and who says no. Everybody should say no to Vince McMahon. I don't really understand why this isn't a bigger story than it is. A lot of people are just blowing this off as not a big deal. Not a big deal. Vince McMahon was backstage, apparently sporting a mustache that looked like Gomez Adams from the Adams family. There is no legit picture of Vince McMahon with a mustache. You guys could find it on social media or you could visualize Vince McMahon with a mustache. It's on social media somewhere. And I actually thought he looked better with the mustache than without. I actually thought it was a look that suited him pretty well. We were told on Monday, right before Raw, that Vince McMahon is backstage at Monday Night Raw. Why was he there on Monday night? We were told that Vince McMahon was there because he was simply visiting John Cena. So Vince McMahon was there visiting John Cena. There's no other time for Vince McMahon to visit John Cena. 
Couldn't have invited John Cena to the WWE headquarters and have a nice private lunch with him and have a nice private talk and a private meeting with him. He needed to be at Raw in Boston to meet and hang out and talk to John Cena. As if cell phones don't exist. You hop on I-95 and you drive past Stanford, Connecticut, and you're on I-95, you'll end up in Boston, Massachusetts in about three hours. Don't understand why this needed to be done at the show on Monday. I don't care who is backstage. Vince McMahon should not be there. I don't give a shit if it's his company. Vince McMahon should not be there. And I'll get into that in a second. We got Raging Girl Gamer, by the way. We're going to take a little bit of a break here. We got Raging Girl Gamer. Raging Girl Gamer with a 99.99 Super Chat. Oh, my goodness. Let's see what Rage has to say. She says, My mom is getting sicker and don't have much time left. I'm scared, but I feel like I should tell y'all because you are my family. JD, you're an inspiration and got me to continue to do all the things I wanted to in my content. I appreciate you and the OTS family. I love you all. It's quite the message there, Rage. I am uh, actually quite speechless. Um, Don't really like hearing things like that, but uh, I know Rage has mentioned several times to me and, and, and others that she has become very close within the OTS community that her mother has not been doing good. It's been something that's been... An ongoing issue. Rage, my thoughts, my prayers, and my love, my love go out to you uh, for this uh, situation. I, I, I don't, I don't like hearing this. Um, but you know that we all love you, and we are incredibly lucky that you're a part of our community. Stay strong, no matter, no matter what, no matter what. Stay strong. You know, your husband is going to be there as much as he can for you. And I I know it's a difficult situation. And and I always think back to my grandpa, you know, when when things get tough, would he want me to be in a situation where I I can't go and do something or I I can't, you know, do my work and, and do this or do that, you know, no matter what happens, your mother is always going to be with you. The power and strength of your mother is always going to be with you. Do right by her in, in, in her time of need right now. And make sure everything is as comfortable as possible for her. And at the end of the day, Rage, you, you, you know that everybody here is going to be here. Everybody. No matter what. We're always going to be here. Jesse's going to be here. I'm going to be here. We're going to provide you some laughter. We're going to provide you love. We're going to provide you... Um, you know, comfort. We're going to use the podcast as an escape on those days where you're feeling worse. Some days are going to be worse than others. We're always going to be here. You know where I am. You know what to expect. You know, like clockwork, you know where I will be. I want you in the fucking venue when you feel bad. Because in this room with these people, that's where you're going to feel, you know, 
at peace. And I want us to I want us to be there for you. So make sure you guys give Rage all the uh the love and support, please, uh during this this difficult time. Rage, thank you so much for your generosity, the 9999. Uh, I, I am uh, you know, sometimes sometimes, you know, a lot of people think I'm a man of many words because I, I I rant about Vince McMahon and I rant about the WWE. Sometimes when I get into situations like that, sometimes I don't know what to say. And I and I don't know if the words that are coming out of my mouth really make any sense. But just stick with us, Rage. We'll, we'll, we'll get you through the, the, the difficult time for sure. So thoughts, love, and prayers to, uh, to Rage during this difficult time with her mother. And thank you for your generosity. Vince McMahon. It doesn't matter who is backstage. Vince McMahon should not be allowed backstage in the WWE. It's his company, fine. But he should not be there because we were told one thing and then something else happens. We were told that Vince McMahon and the only reason why he was back was to sell the company. He does not need to be backstage at Raw to sell the company. He does not need to be sitting gorilla to sell the company. He does not need to be mingling with the talent to sell the company. He does not need to be backstage talking to John Cena, sporting a mustache, making it all about him to sell the company. He can do that from the comfort of his office under his dinosaur head in Stanford, Connecticut. He does not need to be backstage at Monday Night Raw. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. The WWE lied to you. The WWE's given false reports to PW Insider, Sean Ross Sapp, and Fightful.com. They've given out false reports to legitimately everybody in regards to Vince McMahon. Oh, he's not backstage in a creative role. He's only backstage to visit John Cena. Oh, Vince McMahon's not booking the show, but then we find out that his name is on the movie posters and WrestleMania's being directed by Vince McMahon. Oh, he's not running creative, but then Triple H comes out and says, but nothing's changed, but I still, I still yield phone calls from Vince McMahon and talk about creative with Vince McMahon on a semi-regular basis. Oh, Vince McMahon's not running creative. Then we get Omos and Brock Lesnar. Everybody thought I was losing my fucking mind saying that was a Vince McMahon match. Then we get WrestleVotes confirming our fears about Vince McMahon booking Omos and Brock Lesnar. And it doesn't stop there. WrestleMania is not the Triple H show like we thought it was going to be. Vince McMahon is heavy-handed in WrestleMania. Lesnar and Omos is not the only thing Vince McMahon is booking on WrestleMania's show. How do I know? Watch the fucking show. Simple. It doesn't stop with Omos and Brock. Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley is also a Vince McMahon idea. Lita and Trish Stratus being back, winning the tag team titles. Becky and Lita is a Vince McMahon thing. Amongst other things that are probably happening on WrestleMania. Vince McMahon is also booking John Cena versus Austin Theory. That was a match that was supposed to take place under Vince McMahon's watch. That's also a Vince McMahon match. How much say does Vince McMahon have in the Roman Reigns-Cody Rhodes storyline? Do you want to know why I feel Vince McMahon is a little bit more heavy-handed than people are really believing? Because Vince McMahon, look at the simplicity in the booking of Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. They went right after Dusty. The whole story is Dusty, Dusty, Dusty. I got to do this for Dusty. Yes, this was Cody Rhodes' mission statement, 
But the writing in WWE when Vince McMahon is in charge is so fucking simplistic and so ordinary and lacking excitement that I don't truly believe Triple H would be that one-dimensional. I don't. I don't think Triple H would be that one-dimensional. I think Vince McMahon is doing that because this is his match. This is his Roman Reigns. This is his champion. So clearly Vince McMahon's going to have a say in how it ends. It started with Vince. Why wouldn't it end with Vince? You don't think Vince McMahon is going to have any say at all on how Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns comes off? Just listen to what I just told you. This Roman started with Vince. Why on earth would you think it would not end with Vince? And the simplicity of the storyline, they want you to think that Cody Rhodes is nothing more than the son of a plumber. You think Cody Rhodes is going to be hyped up and talked about as this mega star that went to a rival promotion to come back and is now a bigger star because of what he did somewhere else? No, they want you to think that Cody Rhodes, all Cody Rhodes is, is Dusty's son. That's grade A Vince McMahon writing. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. How much say does Triple H have? He's got some say. But I guarantee you every idea, every twist and turn, everything that Triple H brought to the table was always cut down by Vince McMahon. The word going around backstage was that Vince McMahon was simply there to visit John Cena who returned on Monday to set up his match at WrestleMania with Austin Theory. Sean Ross Sapp reported via Fightful Select that Vince McMahon being at the show caused more of a stir online than he did in person among those at the show because the talent felt that it was just a matter of time before Vince McMahon was backstage at a show following his return as executive chairman of the WWE Board of Directors in January. It was said that McMahon's physical appearance turned heads because he had dyed his hair and had a small mustache with several talent describing it as resembling Gomez Adams from the Adams family. His appearance at the event was heavily discussed. One person in WWE who has known McMahon for 20 years stated that it was more drastic and a shock than him getting his head shaved. Although several photos of McMahon and his new look have been going around online, none of the photos that you've seen are real. They're all photoshopped. Speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted McMahon was in the gorilla position where wrestlers enter from the backstage area to the stage all night during Monday Night Raw. But I, I was told Mike Johnson and Sean Raw Sapp told us that Vince McMahon was only visiting John Cena. So clearly Vince McMahon was there for more than a visit with John Cena. What was he doing sitting in Gorilla? And don't give me the excuse of, oh, it's his show. Oh, it's his company. No. That doesn't fly here. Vince McMahon gave up all right to sit in that chair when he retired from his position of all positions in WWE. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't give a shit what company it is. I don't give a shit what relations he has to the company, if it's his company or not. Vince McMahon gave up all right to sit in that chair when he used company money to use the company that he loves, that he built his name off of, 
to use the company as his own personal sex shop for however long he did. He gave up all that to no longer sit in that chair. He does not deserve to be in that chair anymore. I don't understand why people are still vehemently telling me that it's his company. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Do you realize what a Vince McMahon-run WWE is going to go back to? Why would you want that? I don't understand you people. Meltzer says he was in Gorilla all night. What does that tell you? He wasn't barking orders. This is according to Meltzer. He wasn't barking orders at people or anything like that, but he was in Gorilla all night. I was told that they tell you that he's only there to visit John Cena. That's the story. But clearly, there's more to it than that. Meltzer also said that it's not necessarily Vince, but I can't say it's not Vince either. That's not necessarily Vince, but I can't say that's not Vince either. Omos is wrestling Brock Lesnar on the pay-per-view. He's going to be killing people. That would be the case whether Vince is there or not. The Omos presentation is exactly what I thought it would be. I don't understand why everybody is not looking at this more than just, oh, yeah, Vince is booking Brock Lesnar and Omos. Don't worry about it. Triple H threw him a bone, and he's booking one match. No. No. People are telling me that nothing has really changed from Monday Night Raw under Vince McMahon to Triple H. This is what I don't get. Nothing's changed. Like, what the fuck are you watching? You, you, I, I want you guys to think about that for a second. These people, these people, knowing me and how I meticulously break things down, you're going to come to me with Monday Night Raw hasn't changed under Triple H. It certainly has. Monday Night Raw was unwatchable. It somewhat became watchable again. When Triple H first took over Monday Night Raw... There was a heavy focus on women's wrestling. There was a heavy focus on wrestling in general. And there was a heavy focus on spreading the three hours out through wrestling matches. Not overloading the show with eight, nine, ten matches, 60-second matches, this and that, nonsensical skits, and all this other shit. I want you to go and watch the Monday Night Raw's When Triple H was in there and taking over, I want you to go watch some of those first few Monday Night Raws and tell me that there isn't a difference between those shows and what we got on Monday. You are being lied to. You are being lied to. I don't know why you are not taking this as seriously as I am. Vince McMahon being back is going to kill the product. You have ushered in a fan that stopped watching when Vince McMahon was there, they now are accepting WWE a little bit more and more and more, week by week with Triple H in charge. You want to go back to driving those fans away? I can't even begin to tell you how many people came to me personally and said, J.D., I haven't watched WWE in in years, but now I'm going to give it a shot because Vince McMahon's not there. How many people came to me and said, Vince McMahon, the reason why I haven't watched WWE in over a decade plus is because of Vince McMahon and the guy that was leading that company with all the nefarious shit and the bad fucking karma he brought 
by what he did and what he is as a person. The reason why I haven't watched is because of what he is. I'm not watching and I'm not supporting. How many people stopped watching and caring when he killed NXT and he killed all the fucking talent that he had under his company to kill them purposely because it wasn't his or it wasn't his creative and Triple H was doing it better than NXT than he was on the main roster? How many of those talents were fucking killed? How many people needed to be fired for people to say enough is enough, I'm done with the fucking direction of the company? How many people have been fired while Triple H was there? Zero. Have things gotten better on Monday night? Yes. Have premium live events been much better under Triple H than under Vince McMahon? Yes. Have certain creative decisions that Triple H has made gone out there and were made for the better? Yes, eliminating gimmick pay-per-views, making the pay-per-views more like an event, quality over quantity, six matches more than anything sits better with me than loading a show up with nine, ten matches and putting matches on there that don't mean anything. Things have changed. Returns have happened. Triple H brought back people that he knew were wrongfully fired. Gimmicks have been tossed out and changed like Max Dupree back to LA Knight. Things like mid-card championships have now taken a center stage. When Vince McMahon was there, those titles meant nothing. Look at Austin Theory in the United States title. Look at Gunther and the Intercontinental Championship. Would we be talking about the Intercontinental title the way we have been if Vince McMahon was there? No. No, we would not. But don't come to me. Don't come to me on Twitter. Don't come to me on my YouTube page in my comment section and tell me nothing's changed about Monday Night Raw. It certainly has changed. Look at Monday Night Raw this past Monday. We got three one-minute matches. You mean to tell me Vince McMahon had nothing to do with that show? Or was it that the current creative team knew Vince McMahon was going to be there and sitting in Gorilla, and they wanted to give us a show that would be a Vince McMahon-like show? Because, hey, if the boss is going to be back, we got to present the show the way he would write it. Is that what happened? Has Vince even kept up to date on what was going on in WWE while he was out? I don't know. I don't know, but that show on Monday looked more like a Vince McMahon show than I had ever seen on Monday Night Raw in the Triple H era. Three one-minute matches, one of them being Piper Niven and Nikki Cross, who I know Triple H loves both of those women. One minute, 60 seconds. Johnny Gargano got called a short little guy, and Chad Gable was called small and ugly. You mean to tell me that Triple H would allow that type of wording on his show with those two guys? Why were those things said on this night, on Monday? Those things were not said or uttered previously. Because Vince McMahon is there. Because Vince McMahon has something to say about creative. Vince McMahon is back in charge whether you want to agree with me or not. Triple H may be the guy, but when things go bad... Triple H is going to be... This is the Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff thing all over. That's all it is. This is all that it is. Paul Heyman was the executive director of Monday Night Raw. Eric Bischoff was the executive director of SmackDown. They were both fired 
because Vince McMahon would rather put somebody in place and put the blame on than take the blame himself. When shit goes wrong or when shit doesn't go the way he wants, he's going to blame Triple H. Triple H, as far as I'm concerned, is nothing but a fucking name with a title who doesn't run shit. He's out there in the scrums. He's in Gorilla. He's the face of creative. But when things don't go the way that Vince McMahon wants, Vince McMahon's going to say enough is enough. Now change needs to be made. I got to get back in there and fix the mess that my son-in-law made. That's all it is. That is all it is. If you tell me that nothing has changed in the last few months with Monday Night Raw, you are a completely oblivious fucking idiot. It is not the same show. Vince McMahon is heavy-handed in WrestleMania. Vince McMahon is going to continue to be heavy-handed in WrestleMania. But the things that I just mentioned, it is very difficult to sit here and not believe he is not doing anything. He's not back to run creative, but he's sitting in gorilla. Why? Why is he sitting in gorilla if he has nothing to do with creative? We were told that he was back to sell the company. Meanwhile, he's backstage in WWE in gorilla. If he's here to sell the company, what the fuck is he doing there? I don't give a shit who you are. Get him out. This is a much bigger problem than people want to really admit. And you're not going to hear this shit from a Fightful. You're not going to hear this shit from a PW Insider because they are going to report what they have told to them. Oh, yeah, Vince McMahon's not in charge. Fucking connect the dots. Watch the show. If he's there in Gorilla, he's running the fucking show. Tired of this shit, man. He's doing more than they're letting on. He's doing more. You have to understand that. None of the staff or talent said Vince McMahon was giving orders or feedback to anyone they saw. Sure thing. WWE can tell you whatever they want. They could tell the dirt sheets whatever they want. It's going to be reported. The wide talk amongst talent was that McMahon came to the show because Cena was booked to enjoy the show. This was a stark contrast to when Vince McMahon forced himself back into power in December, and there seemed to be panic or when he would appear at TV events when the initial Wall Street Journal stories broke last summer and were met with disgust by the former CEO and chairman. One talent said, if he's at SmackDown, then that will be the big tell. I don't need him to be at SmackDown. That's what you're not understanding. That was another excuse that I seen in the community all over everybody's Twitter wall. Oh, if he's at SmackDown, then I'd worry. No, you need to worry now. It is something you need to worry about now. Everything he's done is not enough to worry. This man forced himself back to overtake the board of directors, completely wiped them clean, fired three, two quit. His daughter stepped down completely from the board of directors and quit the company altogether. He was unanimously voted to stay away. All of these people now, as the new board of directors, which Nick Khan and Triple H were still a part of, unanimously voted him to stay away. Now the new board of directors unanimously voted him to come back and lead the board of directors. So this man was unanimously voted to stay away, then unanimously voted to come back with no rhyme or reason, no excuses, no pushback. He's got lawsuits out the ass from people who believe he manipulated his way back in the company wrongfully using his power and abusing his power. 
Then we're told that Nick Khan, by Nick Khan, that Vince McMahon is only back to sell the company. He's on various interviews. Oh, yeah, Vince is only back to sell the company. Meanwhile, he's now backstage in WWE sitting in Gorilla, and you want me to sit here looking at the string of events that this man has gone and done to get himself in the position he's in now, and you want me to believe that he's not going to try and overtake the company? I don't really understand that one. Triple H is still in charge. That's what they want you to believe. They want you to know that. Vince McMahon was being noted by WrestleVotes. He said that Vince McMahon being Gorilla didn't impact what was planned for Raw. Well, clearly somebody wrote the show for him then. Clearly somebody wrote the fucking show for him because there is nobody that will convince me otherwise that with Johnny Gargano being called small and Chad Gable being called the little ugly guy, there is nobody that will convince me that Vince McMahon did not have a fucking say on what happened on this show. Or everybody is just a complete fucking puppet and they wrote the show to appease Vince McMahon knowing that Vince McMahon was going to be there and they wanted to pretend like the show really is Vince McMahon and everything is just exactly how Vince McMahon wants it. Him being back is a major problem. This is only step one. I said this on Monday. You give him a fucking piece of the pizza pie, he's going to want the whole fucking pie. You're going to give him a taste of something, he's going to want the whole fucking, the whole cheesecake. It's ridiculous. How nobody thinks this is a major story. Give it time. Give it time. And with people dropping out of the WWE sale, and WWE right now looking at Saudi as their only potential sale, what's going to happen then? How many people are going to drop off after that? Vince McMahon selling to the Saudis may be the only way he gets complete and full control back in WWE. What if there is no sale? He's going to use that as a way to get back still to take back all the power that he once lost or he once had. So no matter what, if the company's not sold or if the company's sold, Vince is going to be back in power one way or another. You're already seeing it. Yeah, but Vince McMahon's only there to visit John Cena. Sure thing. WWE. Apparently, we may be getting a new major faction on Monday Night Raw. MVP's Instagram has got a lot of people talking. For months, WWE has been teasing the formation of the Hurt Business, which, another thing, completely dropped off the face of the earth, but I'm supposed to be told that Vince McMahon's only there to visit John Cena. The Hurt Business was on its way to being reformed on Raw. All of a sudden, it got dropped. Nothing about it has been seen or heard of again. Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, when was the last time we seen them? Gone. Various times, MVP has been with Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, but Bobby Lashley has declined to reform the group. Lashley is currently in a feud with with, uh, Bray Wyatt, and MVP seemingly has his sights possibly on forming a new stable. MVP posted a photo of himself with Montez Ford, Carmelo Hayes, and Angelo Dawkins with Omas in the background. This could mean nothing. MVP could be trolling. But it shouldn't go unnoticed that seemingly all the comments under the photo are positive about the idea of this stable actually becoming a thing, whether as a new version of the Hurt Business or a completely different business venture for MVP. Carmelo Hayes, it's been talked about, especially by MVP, that he would love to work with Carmelo Hayes if he made it to the main roster. Carmelo Hayes is not going to be on the main roster imminently 
I do believe that he will be the one to beat Braun Breaker at Stand and Deliver, and he will be the leader of NXT on Tuesday nights while Braun Breaker gets called up to the main roster. But when that happens, when Carmelo Hayes makes it up to the main roster, I would love to see all of this come to fruition. Maybe it's just MVP trying to get a reaction out of fans and trying to get a reaction out of the marks. Great, it worked. But it could be something that that MVP is, is teasing us with as what's going to... Maybe it's a glimpse into the future. That sounds like a great stable to me. It actually would make Omos a little bit more digestible as well. Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford, they are possibly on the verge of a breakup. It's been rumored for months. Everybody thinks Montez is the breakout guy. Let's get him in a singles role. I mean, I don't even want to go that far yet. I don't. I mean, what's the rush? Why do we need someone like that now as a single? I still find their value to be in a tag team. Nothing really drastically needs to change there. Turn them heel. Turn them heel. A heel MVP with Montez, Angelo Dawkins, and Carmelo Hayes as a heel faction? Sign me up. And they all look great together. If you go, if you go to MVP's Instagram, they all look great together. It's, it's something that legitimately could play out and be great for WWE television. And the most exciting aspect of it is Carmelo Hayes would be on the main roster getting rubbed from Montez, Angelo, and MVP, and he'd be a made man quicker than you could imagine. And he's got all the in-ring ability. He's got the natural charisma to do that on his own. But to facilitate that, I'm all in on that, man. I'd love to see that happen. WWE are reportedly protecting Solo Sokoa for major future plans. Speaking about Zayn's match with Sokoa on Wrestling Observer Live, Dave Meltzer noted that WWE are not going to beat Solo as they are saving him for a future match with Roman Reigns. Now, that could be the plan or not, but Meltzer says this, and I quote, When Sami Zayn wrestled Corbin, if they saw him as a top guy like they saw Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes ran through Corbin like it was nothing. Sammy sold the whole match and then got his win. With Solo versus Kevin Owens, they ended on a double countout because they're not going to beat Solo because they're saving Solo for Roman whenever that day comes. But with Sammy versus Solo, Samoan spike and he pins him. So Melcher believes that Solo Sokoa is being protected because of a future match with Roman Reigns. How we get there, I mean, that remains to be seen. I mean, that just opens up a whole new can of worms in itself. Is there still going to be a bloodline? Is Roman going to be kicked out of the bloodline? Is there going to be a bloodline without Roman? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But when you read something like that, and then you look at the WrestleMania card, and you look at Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes, it makes you think that with the plans for Solo and major future plans for Solo remaining undefeated, a part of the bloodline, it kind of lends to it being that Maybe Roman Reigns is not going to really lose at WrestleMania, and he's going to continue holding those championships for a few more months, maybe for the rest of the year. I just find it very difficult at this point in time to really believe in Cody Rhodes taking those titles off of Roman Reigns. Who knows? But WWE, one of the great things that WWE has done since Solo's been called up is the booking and protection of Solo Sokoa. He has looked like an absolute superstar in everything that he does. They haven't overused him. They've booked him the right way. He is the bloodline destroyer. He's the muscle of the bloodline. He's paying homage to family 
in Umaga with the Samoan Spike. They look at Solo as the modern-day version of Umaga. And I can't sit here and say that I hate that. I love that. I think that's a great idea. But saving him for a match with Roman, that might be an opinion more than it is a fact from Dave Meltzer. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're saving that match for Solo's breakout and Solo really is going to emphasize the word Solo. Who knows? We'll see what happens with that, but I'm intrigued either way with Solo because he's been nothing but great on the main roster. Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey is not expected to be 100% healed in time for WrestleMania. WrestlingNews.co exclusively reported that the plan is for Rousey and Shayna Baszler to win the women's tag team title match at WrestleMania and become the women's tag team champions. Dave Meltzer also confirmed this. This is confirmed through multiple outlets. Now, what we got on Monday is not a women's tag team title match. We got a six-woman tag team match. We got Bailey with damage control, EO and Dakota against Trish, Lita, and Becky Lynch. No tag team titles on the line. So Ronda is not 100%. It's expected that she's not going to be 100%, and she may miss WrestleMania, which in turn will help or will uh, make Shayna Baszler also miss WrestleMania. It's going to help the match, in my honest opinion. That's where I was going with that. It's going to help the women's match because without Ronda, I think it's a better match. I think the match, the six-woman tag team match, is going to be better without Ronda and Shayna involved. I would have much rather seen that than a triple threat women's tag team title match with Ronda and Shayna involved with Lita and Becky and Io and Dakota. But a one-on-one match with Bailey and Trish could have been something interesting if that did take place. Now, why didn't that go as planned? That was the original plan. That was what everybody was saying. Triple threat tag team match, Bailey Trish, or Bailey Trish Radis at WrestleMania. I don't know, maybe WWE doesn't rely on Trish to go one-on-one at this age. Maybe they figure that Trish and Lita in a tag team capacity with Becky Lynch, they're going to be a little bit more protected in there against Bailey and damage control. They can get in there and do their signature spots, and that's all that they really require from both Becky, uh, from Lita and Trish, rather. With Becky Lynch there serving as the catalyst that's going to be the one to handle and carry most of the match. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't give a shit either way. If Ronda misses WrestleMania, I don't really care. It's no sweat off my back. I don't really care for Ronda anyway. But when when Ronda's 100%, you know, for a fact that WWE is going to go right for that Becky Lynch, Lita, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler match. How that's going to factor into damage control, I I don't know. There's a lot of questions. Twists and turns are planned for this tag team title feud. I don't know where the twists and turns are coming from. We already got Lita winning a championship going into WrestleMania. It looked like damage control might not really be on board with Bayley making decisions for themselves. Who knows if damage control is even going to be a faction at the end of all of this? We don't know. This could serve as the breakup for damage control. So we will see. But Ronda Rousey is not going to be 100% going into WrestleMania, and more than likely, she will miss WrestleMania. Brian Alvarez asked Meltzer if if Meltzer was giving them a scoop here with this, and Meltzer says, yes, WWE hasn't announced the tag team match. Clearly, they did the six-woman tag team match. It's still unclear which night the title match would happen anyway, and if it did, it would happen on night two. 
I don't know if Dakota and Io are going to win the belts back or if Lita and Becky are, are going to be the champions. But Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler are going to get a tag team title shot as it's been planned all along with them likely winning them. Unless Rousey's injury doesn't heal, which they are right now, of the impression she's not going to be 100% for WrestleMania, but the impression is that she is going to be ready when they do the match. Fine. It is what it is. Let's let's do what we got. You already set it out for WrestleMania with the six-woman tag team match, and WWE can go and, and do something like that. You know, who knows how long is going to be on board. Maybe they save it for Backlash in Puerto Rico. Maybe they do it in Saudi Arabia. Who knows? So we'll see what happens. But uh, Ronda and Shane are more than likely going to end up winning those tag team titles. And then comes a whole new set of questions. What tag team division are they going to lead and what tag teams are going to step up and challenge Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler? There are no tag teams. None. None anyway that are going to compete with Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. It's going to be difficult for WWE to make anything serious come out of that division when every other team, if Ronda and Shayna are the tag team champions, every other team is going to be so inferior to what those two women are. Triple H, he's already planning to stack WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. This is according to WrestleVotes. WrestleVotes revealed to Give Me Sport that Triple H is going to stack WrestleMania next year with it being the 40th anniversary of the event. WrestleVotes says, and I quote, next year they're going to pack and stack the hell out of the card because of the anniversary. It means something special to Triple H. Specifically, WrestleVolts also noted that the door is open for two major names to work next year's event who rejected appearing at this year's show. Those names are The Rock, obviously, who WWE wanted for Roman Reigns this year, but Rock told WWE that he wouldn't be fit to get in ring shape for a match with Roman Reigns in time for the show. And Stone Cold Steve Austin, who apparently rejected numerous pitches for a match this year, including Brock Lesnar and... Roman Reigns. Now, obviously, with the show over a year away, a lot of plans obviously are just thought right now. Nothing is really set in stone. Clearly, a lot can change between now and then. But the focus on next year's event will begin once WrestleMania 39 is over and we get that brand new season of WWE starting on the Raw after WrestleMania. I would hope that they stack the fucking show. I mean, it's the 40th anniversary. Now, that is something... You know, this year I was a little bit more vocal on we don't need Lita and Trish. We don't need Austin. We don't need The Rock. The Rock was the only one I would have accepted because the the whole tribal chief head of the table story clearly is built for The Rock to come and face Roman. And we were conditioned for years with Rock putting it off. I I want it to happen in Los, uh, Los Angeles. Fine. So now we're in Los Angeles and he still doesn't want to do the match. Fine. WWE was very lucky that they had a backup plan as good as Cody Rhodes this year if The Rock turned it down or if The Rock couldn't get ready, if The Rock got hurt. They had a great backup plan in Cody Rhodes. And now they have a real big main event for WrestleMania with Cody and Roman for the World Championships. But next year, I understand that WrestleMania 40 is a big number. That's a big fucking deal. 40, it's a nice round number. The 40th anniversary of WrestleMania. I mean, if The Rock 
We said this this year. If The Rock doesn't show up this year, I mean, I'm just going to give up hope on The Rock not even wrestling anymore. Philadelphia, WrestleMania 40, if The Rock doesn't find it important to be at the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania, then what the fuck does he want? At that point, it's going to be like, you know what, enough is enough. Just go away. I would assume The Rock would be axed. I would assume Austin would be axed. I could see that being Bill Goldberg. Fuck Bill Goldberg. But I could see Bill Goldberg being axed to wrestle his final match at WrestleMania 40. They're going to stack the show. Roman and Rock. Stone Cold and John Cena, maybe. You know? Put those, that, that, that's something that I would still love to see now. John Cena and Stone Cold Steve Austin in a, in a one-on-one match. Era versus era, you know? Then you get Bill Goldberg. I know a lot of people are saying Bill Goldberg should put over Braun Breaker for his final match and put Braun Breaker over as the next big guy in WWE, similar in stature. Goldberg's got a nice, you know, history with the Steiner brothers. So I could see that being the case. Who knows if Bill Goldberg wants to go out on his back in his final match. He may not want to lose in his final match. We don't know. But I could see some of those types of matches taking place. Now, I wouldn't overload the show with those matches, I wouldn't mind, you know, WrestleMania is two nights. It's a little bit more easier to digest over two nights. You do two big marquee matches like that with returning guys, legends, Hall of Famers, two matches on one night, two matches on the other, and then you stack the rest of the show with six, seven matches with current talent. It's not that big of a deal. But if it's special to Triple H, it's going to be special to get those types of talents to really celebrate the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania as well. So if he's looking to stack the show, you better believe Triple H is going to have some great ideas planned for WrestleMania 40. And like I said, I would expect them to stack the show being 40, 40th year or the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania. It's a big deal. You only get one, one time to do that. You only get one 40th anniversary, man. You better, you better make a big, big, big fucking deal out of it. WWE apparently is losing an NXT superstar. I know you guys are devastated over the fact that Tokyo Sports is reporting that Saray is leaving the company. Who? Saray? Who gives a shit about Saray? I've seen people talking about this on social media. Saray. Uh, I mean, Saray was in WWE because William Regal brought Saray in overseas from Japan to WWE. They loved going out there, scouting the globe, and bringing in international talent for NXT to differentiate itself from the main roster. It was a great time when Triple H and William Regal and fucking Matt Bloom all ran NXT. All of this shit went bye-bye when Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard ended up running NXT and ran it into the fucking ground. Saray signed with WWE in 2020 and had been wrestling on the NXT brand. During her time on the brand, she was rarely featured in big storylines. WWE actually took her and made her into a Japanese schoolgirl with magical, mystical powers. Guarantee you that was the idea of Bruce Prichard. Guarantee it. Nobody will convince me otherwise. How stereotypical of WWE to do that with Saray. They, literally, they legitimately turned her into a walking anime meme. They turned her into a Powerpuff Girl. Typical, typical Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon. Fightful Select was able to confirm this report, including that Saray has bookings elsewhere. Who cares? 
However, WWE has yet to comment to the numerous inquiries about this. Since word emerged that she would be leaving the company imminently, Fightful is now reporting that the beginning of the end was actually in early 2022 when many of her biggest supporters were let go from NXT. Sources within the brand said that she never really factored into a consistent or major creative fashion after that. We're told by the spring of 2022 that the writing was on the wall. William Regal's departure was one that many pointed out as a turning point for her not really being used anymore. Those who frequent the Performance Center said that she hadn't been around in ages and weren't given any answers when they'd ask about her. It was widely accepted within the company that the creative given to her was outright bad. I mean, NXT is bad now. But what they did with her was downright comical, man. And then people want me to believe that Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon weren't running the fucking show. Or John Laurinaitis had nothing to do with running the show. The three-headed beast ran NXT. Believe it. Those within the company said that Saray took great pride in helping Tiffany Stratton along during their short feud and seemed to think a lot of the up-and-coming talent as well was great. Though there was a language barrier... Fightful heard no issues in her dealing with anyone and only heard positive things about her from others in the WWE Performance Center. Who cares? No great value was lost here at all. She was a product of William Regal. She was a product of the black and gold that clearly Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard found no value in and wanted to make a mockery out of Saray, all Saray was, was someone looked at by the people that they fired. Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard fired everybody. The administration fired everybody. And they looked to embarrass every aspect of what the old administration in NXT was. And they picked on that and they had their fun with it. That's all they did. Goodbye. No real value was lost here. Shifting gears to AEW. The original plans for Powerhouse Hobbs and the AEW TNT title have now been revealed. Powerhouse Hobbs just won the championship on Dynamite last night, beat Wardlow with the absolutely anticlimactic and lame QT Marshall coming out to help him win the championships as Wardlow was powerbombed onto what looked to be pillows and cushions and fucking uh, dollar store cardboard cutouts of a stage. Not really a good look for AEW. Fightful Select is reporting that Hobbs was tentatively planned to win the TNT Championship around this time months ago. They would go on to state that Fightful's report of Hobbs' push from last fall always had the championship win as the endgame. Hobbs faced the now former TNT champion as a result of winning the Face of the Revolution ladder match on the, on the March 1st episode of Dynamite. Now aligned with QT Marshall, Marshall shared a text message exchange that he had with Hobbs before his AEW debut in 2020. Hobbs had recently expressed the desire to be featured on the AEW television show more, which will be hopefully something that happens now that he is TNT champion. You know, this is what bothers me about reports like this, man. And this is what bothers me about the lack of creativity and the lack of creative in AEW. So if Will Hobbs, if Will Hobbs was the recipient of this championship and this was the end game 
going all the way back for months. Why did we need Wardlow to win the championship from Samoa Joe? Why did we need Darby Allen to lose the title to Samoa Joe before that? This is what I have a fucking problem with. Why did Samoa Joe beat Darby Allen for the TNT Championship if Will Hobbs was the recipient of this title over months of creative? And this was the idea for months. Don't you think it would have been a better idea for Will Hobbs to win the TNT Championship from somebody like Darby Allen, hold it, and go on a long title reign to establish him as the champion instead of having Darby lose it to Joe, Joe lose it to Wardlow, and then Wardlow lose it in fucking 72 hours, twice, to Will Hobbs. Well, am I losing my fucking mind? None of this makes sense. None of it. I don't know why Will Hobbs wasn't given the TNT championship in a match with Darby Allen. That would have been something that he could have looked back on. A, had a great match, and Darby was on a, a nice string of title defenses. He could have been the guy that put the nail in his coffin. No, but we needed Samoa Joe and Wardlow for the TNT title again, which ultimately did nothing because they took the title right off of Wardlow on yesterday's show. They could have easily given us Samoa Joe and Wardlow in a one-on-one match because of him cutting Wardlow's hair. Did it need to be for the championship? Of course not. If you were never planning to use the title as a vehicle to build Wardlow up at least close to what he was before all this fucking shit booking, I don't know why you opted to go that direction. That's something that This is something that's going to be talked about next Wednesday. This is something that's going to, I'm going to keep this one on the back burner, but this initial report, I don't really understand what we're reading here. I don't. Ridiculous. This is why AEW Creative gets criticized. MJF. MJF got himself into some hot water. This is the first time I'm talking about this on a podcast, legitimately. Young fan supposedly had tequila thrown on him by MJF during the Iron Man match at Revolution. Supposedly, MJF took this cup from the mother. It ended up being tequila. I don't believe it was tequila at all. That was a hefty amount of tequila in a, in a solo cup or whatever cup she was holding. I don't recall venues like that selling straight shots, multiple shots of tequila like that. I don't recall that being an item on the menu when you go to the concessions bar. I don't really believe the report. It's almost as if these fucking dirt sheets and journalists poured the tequila for them and then made the assumption that it was tequila. It looked like water. Secondly, if that was tequila and the amount that was in that cup, like Jesse said last night, it's more likely that this woman smuggled the tequila into the venue, which is a problem in its own. And she should not be doing something like that. Brian Alvarez reported on the Wrestling Reserver Live that this was real, a real fan, not a plant. I don't blame you if you thought it was a plant. It looked staged to me the first time I saw it. The water turned out to be tequila. I don't believe it. Amanda Huber, Brody Lee's wife, and others came out to check on the fan. 
The fan and his mother were taken backstage after the show. They were given merchandise and will be attending Wednesday's Dynamite. Did attend Wednesday's Dynamite in Sacramento. <laughs> Everything diffused. We should move on and live our lives. This kid got treated to a fucking AEW show for free on Wednesday. And he got taken backstage to go visit Will Hobbs in the AEW locker room. Will Hobbs was his favorite performer. Great. Tony Khan made it right. Meanwhile, everybody wanted to talk about it on social media, trying to cancel MJF. MJF went too far. MJF is a scumbag. MJF is boring. All this other shit. While speaking at the post-event media scrum, AEW President Tony Khan and MJF were asked about the incident. MJF said when asked what was going through his mind at the moment, he said, and I quote, the kid looked thirsty. The follow-up question for Tony was, whether there will be any consequences for what MJF did. Why would there be? He's playing a fucking heel. I'm sorry you can't handle that in 2023. We had a conversation before we came up here. We had a serious conversation, and I mean that. And it's not to be taken lightly. The young man, Titus, was a real pro about it. And we'll see Titus again here in AEW. I believe Titus is actually coming to Sacramento. I was just with him, and he was a real champ about it. The champion didn't act like a champion there, but I think Titus was great. The champion didn't act like a champion. I think Titus was great. That's what he says. A lot of people made a big deal about this, and I'm trying to look at it from a completely different point of view. Everybody was like, oh, well, if you had kids, you'd look at it a little bit different. A lot of big uh, egos online were like, well, if that was my son, I would have I would have punched MJF in the face. I would have knocked him the fuck out. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Not with the big bad bodyguard that is showing at AEW shows every fucking week standing there. No, you wouldn't. So shut your fucking mouth. Nobody's touching anybody. Nobody's touching any of the talents. You're not going to say shit, okay? Give me a fucking break. First of all, I, I said this, I, I said this yesterday. Everybody's having a fucking conniption fit. Everybody's having this fucking meltdown. Oh my God. How could he do that to a, a child? If this child was three or four years old, I could look at it a little bit differently. This was a grown child. Grown enough to be wearing a full-fledged adult AEW replica world championship. He had his hoodie on, expecting something to happen. I mean, he was in the fucking first row, bundled up like he was about to walk out into a fucking snowstorm. Almost as if he knew to expect the water was about to be thrown on him. Then you want people to not think it was a plant and not think it was staged just to get MJF heat? It could have been something that was staged to get MJF heat. Who the fuck knows? We'll never know. But this kid was old enough to be wearing an adult AEW replica world championship. Everybody's want, everybody wants to say, oh my God, MJF went too far, he crossed the line. I mean, this, this kid, an hour and a half before this main event, two hours before this main event, was subjected to a bloody death match that included somebody being stabbed with a fucking fork in the in the forehead with blood squirting out everywhere, barbed wire being raked over people's faces and across their back, 
bricks being brought into the ring. Somebody was hung with a fucking metal chain. But you want me to sit there and pretend fake outrage over this kid being thrown into a situation where MJF threw water on him. This kid was subject to a fucking legit mugging earlier in the show. That resulted in a fork incident with blood squirting everywhere. And you want me to sit here and feel bad that he got water thrown all over him. I don't get it. Fake outrage is what it was. Fake outrage. Everybody wants to pretend I got to complain about something. Oh my God, it's 2023. Let me social justice on social media. Let me social justice on Twitter. Let's cancel AEW. How could he do that to a kid? If he did it to an adult, I would understand. This is the same guy that has ripped signs up in the front row. This is the same guy that's motorboated somebody's tits, a woman's tits. This is the same guy that's taken adult alcoholic beverages full and dumped them in front of the people who were drinking the beverage. Throws gum at people. But you want me to sit there and pretend fake outrage over a fucking child casualty here that was sprayed with some water. I'd be more upset if he took my fucking beverage after paying $16 for a beer and dumped the beer out in front of me. I'd be more fucking pissed. I would rather him, I would rather him throw my, throw the water on the child than fucking dump my $16 beverage out. Fake, 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 fake. Everybody wants to pretend fake outrage. You know, if that was my son, he would have already been prepped on what to expect sitting that close to the fucking show itself that was my son, I would have already prepped him on who MJF was, what MJF is capable of, what MJF does. Clearly, he knows what MJF does. He watches the fucking weekly show. If you didn't know what the fuck MJF was capable of or what he did, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. The kid knew. The kid should know what MJF is and what MJF is about. If that was my son, I'd send him to school the next day. I hope you brag about this to your fucking wrestling buddies. You got the world champion of AEW throwing water on you at a revolution show on Sunday night. Have fun with that. That's something that that kid is going to go and tell his friends about until he grows out of his wrestling phase. That's something that that kid is going to grow up and tell his future kids about. It's a childhood memory that his mother gave him that is going to live with him for the rest of his life. Yet people want to call fake outrage on it. Tony Khan made it right. As soon as that kid got up and was brought backstage, the incident should have been a non-issue. But you continue to want to mention it on social media after it all happened. Wrongfully taking away from what Brian Danielson and MJF did in that match. You made it about yourselves and you made it about the fucking kid. Who clearly is still alive, well, and dry now. Social media sucks. And this fucking wokeism in 2023, is fucking vile and disgusting. Fuck off. Give me a fucking break. Never seen something so fucking stupid in my entire life. I doubt Tony can't even fucking talk to him. Ridiculous. Things to be upset about. That's not one of them. FTR. Apparently FTR have re-upped with AEW. Last month, Harwood had fans talking when he shared a photo, and in the bottom left corner of the photo was a WWE document 
which looked to be a contract. He later then cropped out most of this Twitter picture and put the picture up on social media without the WWE logo included. The Gun Club retained their titles over the acclaimed. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and Orange Cassidy Danhausen at the pay-per-view on Sunday night. Post-match FTR returned and they laid out the champions, indicating basically they're coming after the tag team championships. PW Insider reports the belief is that FTR is now under long-term deals with AEW and their disappearance from AEW television and teasing going to somewhere else is now just a part of the storyline. Dax came out and said that their contract status has not changed. Otherwise, I don't know why FTR is saying that they are still in the same boat that they were a couple of months back and that they're just winding down the rest of their deal and opted to work the rest of their deal. I don't know why PW Insider is reporting that they have re-upped and signed contract extensions. That's a pretty big fucking mistake to make if that's the case. What's going on here? PW Insider is reporting about something, and then Dax comes out and says, no, 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 it's not the right way. It's not the, uh, it's not the, the, the story. Nothing, is rema- nothing has changed. Everything remains the same. I mean, I, I kind of tend to believe the, the dirt sheet more than I do the fucking talent because the talent never wants you to know what the fucking truth is. And the dirt sheet, someone like PW Insider, it's not like it's ringside news or it's not like it's fucking uh, zero news. PW Insider and Mike Johnson is not going to put something out like that, especially behind a paywall and, and take a chance if it's wrong. They got their bases covered 10 times over to put that shit behind a paywall and then make sure it's right. I don't believe Dax in this situation. I think that they're staying with, a- with AEW. I think they're staying with the company. And I think that it's the right decision to make. Why go back to WWE now? There's a lot of uncertainty in WWE. Their tag team division isn't where it needs to be. They've shown no focus on bettering the tag team division. The Usos are still going to be at the top of the mountain there. Nobody's going to be better than the Usos or the New Day in WWE. It's just not the way of life. Not, not as long as Vince McMahon is still alive. FTR going over there will do nothing. Will they have banger matches? Sure. Will they add to the tag team division? Sure. Will they be the greatest tag team of all time in, the, in WWE? No. No, they will not. If you want to be the greatest tag team of all time, you're not going to WWE. Because the greatest tag team of all time in all of pro wrestling, period, is the Usos, according to WWE. You're never going to overtake that, that notion. You're not going to climb that mountain successfully. Additionally, the uncertainty. Is the company going to be sold to the Saudis? Who wants to work for the Saudis if that's the case? Vince McMahon is still there. How much say does Vince McMahon have? Why do you want to go back to the company in which that guy who's still there told you to have your back shaved on live television? Is Triple H completely and fully in charge? No. So why do you want to go back there? Why would you opt to go there instead of working for somebody that actually loves you in Tony Khan? It doesn't make sense. Plus, I think if FTR is back, we got a good chance of CM Punk coming back in, the, in AEW. Just, my, just my, my logical guesstimation on that one. FTR staying with AEW, I believe the report on PW Insider. And, and good for them. Good for them. Tony Khan was talked about, or was asked about, and did talk about Kenny Omega's contract status In AEW, he talked about this during the post-show Revolution Media Scrum. He said this in regards to Kenny Omega. He stated that he does not talk 
about wrestler contracts, but he had praise for Omega. Of course not. I think Kenny Omega is one of the world's best wrestlers. He's one of the most decorated wrestlers. To have somebody who's been world trios champion, had a great match defending that title tonight, world tag team champion, the world champion. He's done everything you can do as a world champion in this company, and also the IWGP United States champion. And this year alone, he's had some of the best matches in the world. I thought it was an excellent match on pay-per-view tonight. He started the year with great matches versus Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. Kenny Omega can do anything he sets his mind to. He's one of the best stars in the world, and I hope he's here for a very long time. I don't know why questions like this are asked when you know Tony Khan is not going to give you an answer. This is why I really look down on these fucking scrums for AEW nowadays. It's nothing... It's nothing but fucking favoritism. It really is. Why ask that question knowing you're never going to get an answer? So who are you, who are you asking it for? Are you asking it to be cool? Are you asking it to show Tony that you're hip with the dirt sheets and you're hip with the stories that are late-breaking and current? Let me fucking break with this shit. Why don't you ask him some real fucking questions instead of bullshit questions that you know you're not going to get the answer to? Nobody knows what Kenny Omega's going to do. He's there till the end of the year. Is there a shot that he goes to WWE? Of course there is. Is Triple H going to make a play for him? You better fucking believe it. But if WWE lands Kenny Omega, and then AEW loses Kenny and the Bucks to WWE in a year where they have contract negotiations with Time Warner and Warner Media, I don't know. Will it even be AEW anymore? at that point. How could it be all elite without the elite? Tony Khan does not want to lose these three men. He doesn't want to lose any one of these guys. Otherwise, it's not going to be AEW. The heart and soul will be crushed in AEW. Will they be dead? No. They'll have some life in them. Not much. But with Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and MJF's contracts supposedly all due within months of each other, Tony Khan's going to have a lot of money to give out to keep everybody happy. Even though I think MJF's contract is not really up. I think MJF is one of those guys that wants to say his contract is up with the whole story. Yeah, I'll see you guys in 2024. I think MJF signed a contract extension with AEW. I would, I would certainly hope so. I don't know why Tony Khan would give him the world championship knowing that he's got a free agent coming up in 2024 in MJF. If he gave him the world championship, I would hope that he signed him to a long-term extension. Brian Cage, he may be on his way to AEW, uh, out of AEW to WWE. Recently, Brian Cage was in the news about his AEW deal set to expire imminently. There were some hiccups, as Fightful Select has now reported, that AEW had hoped to extend his deal due to injury that would keep him with the company till at least the end of June. However, Cage pushed back on that and was interested in exploring free agency, and you can't blame him for that. Fightful Select has been told that WWE has maintained great interest in Brian Cage in the event he becomes a free agent and are open to having conversations with him. That period won't have to wait long, as Fightful is told AEW and Brian Cage agreed to work together through the end of March, specifically through the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor pay-per-view, where he will more than likely drop the six-man tag team championships and then go on to free agency. Fightful is told that some of the time that was supposed to be added to Cage's contract is actually because Cage was signed while injured 
after leaving Impact Wrestling years ago. Those familiar with the situation claim that AEW offered Cage a contract extension comparable to his current deal, which hasn't been ruled out. And Chris Jericho has been one of the big guys in AEW to basically say publicly that he hopes Brian Cage resigns with AEW and he put over his work as of late. Brian Cage is, we talked about this on yesterday's show. Jesse mentioned that Brian Cage is 39 years old. I think this is more of a reason than anything for him to want to go explore free agency. Brian Cage, you know, at this level, the Brian Cage that we know now, we haven't had an opportunity to see at that level in WWE. Is he good enough to be there? Yes. Is he somebody that WWE would love to have on their on their roster? Yes. Body type, in-ring ability, sure. He's a little rough around the edges as far as a promo is concerned, but that's the type of guy that WWE would love to have. And I think he would I think he would excel in WWE greatly. Whether or not he goes to NXT or not first, I don't know. But like we talked about yesterday, he's had years and years and years of TV time. He's worked Lucha Underground. He's worked Impact. He's worked AEW. This is not some fucking rookie that you're going to be bringing into the company who doesn't know how to work TV. He knows how to work TV. Does he know how to work the WWE style? He may have to, you know, learn the ropes on that. He might have to give up a couple of things that he's learned on the indies and learned in AEW and learned in Impact. He might not be able to do those things in WWE. WWE works the camera a little bit different than an Impact or an AEW. You got to get your entrance. You got to, you know, it's a whole production. He's got to learn the ropes as it comes to that. But is he TV ready? If WWE wants to sign him and put him on the main roster, is he TV ready? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mentioned maybe putting him in NXT for those little small reasons for a little bit and then bring him up to the main roster. But is he TV ready? Absolutely for WWE. And I make I make this known that, A, I'd love to see him in WWE. I think his ceiling has already been reached in AEW. There's nothing more for him to do. I think he knows that. If he signed another deal with AEW, where is he going to go further than where he is now? He's not. If it didn't happen this second go-around, it's not going to happen the third go-around. So go test free agency. Go test yourself. Go explore other options. I think it would be better than where he is now. And finally, Mercedes Monet. She's rumored to be heading towards an AEW debut. It's been rumored for a while, but it got even a little bit more in the discussion that she will end up in AEW because she says, whoever has the biggest bag is where I'm going to go. She spoke to TMZ Sports. Don't really consider them a reputable source, but Monet was asked about her wrestling future because everybody wants to know where she is. She's not going to be a New Japan Forever, She's not going to be wrestling over there for her entire duration on, on the indies. She's going to hold that championship, and she's going to do right by that women's division, and then she's going to go and be on TV weekly because that's where she needs to be. I'm excited to see what's next for me in the world of pro wrestling. She noted that she would pop up for some indies, work New Japan with her next match happening on April 8th. I'm putting the offer on the table for the list to see who's next. I want to see who's ready for Mercedes Monet because I turned down for nobody. I'm always here for the check. I'm always here for the bag. And whoever has the biggest bag is where I'm going to go. Additionally, Tony Khan, again, this was asked in the pre-show or the post-show, rather, media scrum, 
Tony Khan was asked about Mercedes. He said this, she's a tremendous wrestler. I wouldn't want to comment on any discussions I've had with any free agent, especially one that was a champion in their great partner company, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Khan did go on to say he has a ton of respect for that great wrestler and that any company would be grateful to her or to work with her, interestingly, without actually naming Mercedes. He did not mention Mercedes' name. I listened to that during the post-show media scrum, and I'm like, bitch, we know that you had discussions with Mercedes already. You know for a fact that Tony Khan's phone was immediately picked up and called Mercedes to see what was going on. I do think eventually she ends up coming in, and if she doesn't come in for a full-time gig, she will definitely be on AEW programming because, I mean, if she's still the IWGP Women's Champion come the time of Forbidden Door, you can guarantee fucking tea it that Mercedes and Jamie Hayter is happening at Forbidden Door. And if it doesn't, there's something internally fucking wrong with AEW. Seriously. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm about to get out of here, man. We're going to get into the Super Chats. We have uh, several Super Chats to go over, but I want to thank you guys for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, I love to get these midweek shows out there for you guys. Kind of breaks up the uh, the show coming into Sunday as well. So we will be back live on Sunday with episode 469, I believe, on Sunday night. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Hit that join button. Become a channel member right here on OTS. And hit that thumbs up, man. We got 769 likes. I'd love if we could get as close to 1,000 as possible. What about Jade and Mercedes? No, thank you. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. Betting on matches sounds like a bonehead Vince move. An excuse to have crappy creative. And Brian said going home, so maybe he's going back to Ring of Honor. Brian's going legitimately home to rest, recoup, and spend time with his family, and then is going to get called out by somebody for a big match at Forbidden Door. Brian Danielson in Ring of Honor would be a complete waste of Brian Danielson. William with the $2 Super Chat. Thank you again, brother. Loved your question. Who was better, Carl Winslow or Uncle Phil? I'm going Uncle Phil all the way, bro. Captain Solo with a 669 Super Chat. Would you rather take out on a date and use Blue Chew on Abaddon or Piper Niven? Must pick one OTS for life, brother. You guys with these ridiculous questions, man. I'm going Abaddon. Sidro with a $5 super chat. My dog decided to join the Mexican wrestling circuit. I guess it was his dream to become a puchador. Sidro, thank you for the uh, thank you for the entertainment, brother. That was a good one. That was a good one. Neptune X with a new membership. Thank you, Neptune. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for being here. And uh, you are now going to be a VIP in my mother's basement. 
Ryan Peters with a 199. Walking home from work with JD. What a night, man. Get home safe, brother. Nick Williams with a $5 super chat. Imagine if a report comes out stating Vince regains creative control while JD is doing House of Glory. I won't be surprised. Would not be surprised, Nick. Something always happens when I take the night off to do House of Glory. Something ridiculous always happens. Justin Smith with a $5 super chat. I wondered if JD was on just a minute ago. I searched and he was. Hardest work in the IWC. Fuck Satin. Thank you, Justin. Felt like I was a little off tonight, man. You know, just me personally. Not all there in the headspace. Just tired, you know. Got a lot to do still this week. We got House of Glory tomorrow. I got the gym tomorrow morning. Lack of sleep. All I want to do is just sit in my chair and play Destiny 2, you know. Don't want to be bothered with anything. Captain Solo with $2 Super Chat. I am eager to see the Mother's Basement venue. I can't wait to show you guys. Wednesday Adams with a 199. I'm going to bury Vince McMahon to the grave. I wish somebody would have already done that, to be honest with you, Wednesday. Cody Snyder with a $5 super shot. I'm ready for my cheat meal Sunday. JD, what would your ideal cheat, your ideal meal for breakfast be? I'm eating the unhealthiest damn thing Sunday morning. OTS for life. What would my ideal meal for breakfast be? I love, uh, I love me some scrambled eggs. I love waffles. I love French toast. I love breakfast, man. I don't eat enough breakfast. I've been trying to watch what I eat, too, as of late, man. Keep it keep it to uh, a minimum, you know? John Thompson with a new membership. John, thank you so much, brother. Thank you for being here. And what the fuck are you drinking? King Jabon with a $10 super chat. Off topic, but this must be said. All of the people Triple H brought back are disappointing and boring. Also, Cody needs a character and a better story with Roman. He is not the guy, dare I say, he's boring. Well, that is clearly your opinion, King Jabon, but I said this before in regards to Triple H and the talent that he's brought back. He's inherited a Vince McMahon product. It will never truly be his until Vince is gone. I don't know if we're ever going to get that. You are not being told the entire story. Vince McMahon is still largely in charge. His shadow is still looming. Until that day, it will never be where it needs to be. Rage, thank you for the 99. And I just saw that you did another 99.99 in Super Chat. Thank you, Rage. So Rage has two 99.99 Super Chats. We read the first one. She says, for this one, Monet needs a reality check. She sucks compared to Charlotte. And Vince 
is what we need in this dead company we got right now. He's amazing, just like Charlotte Flair. I don't understand how people don't see that. I gotta shut Doc off for uh I I I got I got Rage, that's, uh, I, I don't know what you're drinking at the bar, Rage, but please, save a seat for me and pour me one. Holy shit. No way. Yeah, get the bottle away from her, man, that's right, holy shit. Thank you, Rage. Thank you for the generosity tonight. Corey Williams with seven months. Thank you, brother. Can't wait to see you in my mother's basement. Lauren with a $2 super chat. Vince should stay retired. Is that why Steph quit? Yes. She knew exactly what was coming. She got out before she could see it all unfold and get worse. Also, Lauren with a $2 super chat. Wish we can go back to the 2016 era without Vince. Well, I thought it was 2013 before. I'd love to be back there instead of 2023. Francis Loop with a $10 Super Chat. New Year's Revolution 2005 main event was the Elimination Chamber. Triple H, Randy Orton, Batista, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, and Shawn Michaels as referee. Great match. One of my favorite matches. That was a good one. Also, Francis with a five. Forget Edge was in the chamber as well. It set up Edge versus Shawn Michaels for the Royal Rumble. That chamber match could have main evented at WrestleMania. Yes, it could. With the names that are in there, yes. And Francis with a 10. Would WWE sway the betting so there would be more losers so they would have to pay out by changing the creative to not have the winner that people are betting? I, I don't know, man. There's, there's a lot of negative that comes with that, man. I'm not on board with that at all. I'm not on board with that at all. Aaron Hanrahan with a one-month membership. Thank you, brother. Hi, JD. Hope you're well. Love the streams. Much love from Ireland. Also, Vince, just stay away. Dre Laval with a $5 super chat. Hope all is well, JD. Keep up the awesome work. Catching the show while I'm in the office. OTS for life. Thank you, Dre. Hopefully, I can keep you entertained while you're at work, man. Nemesis with a $5 super chat. When is Triple H and the rest of them actually going to grow a set and tell Vince to go away? OTS for life. They're not. They unanimously unanimously told him no on the board of directors and then all of a sudden changed their tune to vote yes. I don't trust anybody in that company at all. The script keeper with a $20 super chat. I'm wondering why they would plan the 40th WrestleMania when they want to sell the company. Maybe the new owners will have a different plan for WWE by then, unless Vince is not really selling the company. I mean, nothing's really going to change. Whoever whoever owns the company is not going to change the way WrestleMania is booked. 
I just hope that they sell it to a company, if it's sold to a company, that Vince is not in charge and he's told to go away. Matthew Malnar with seven months. If MJF threw that stuff on one of my kids, I would have laughed. So would I. I would have been more excited about it than anything. Armando with a 499. Totally agree with you, JD. Prep your kids, and that's it. You're at ringside. Come on, people. OTS, best podcast in the business. Thank you, Armando. Nobody's level-headed and illogical anymore, brother. Paul David with a $5 Super Chat. Who wins the World Series in 2023? Uh, I would like the Braves to win it, but uh, I I don't even think that they are probably going to win the division. Tyler with a 199. You're so amazing, JD. You make me so happy. Thank you, Tyler. Eugene Morgan with a $10 Super Chat. JD, is there a chat room for the OTS fam, or would you mind starting one on Discord or Locals or something? Um, there is a Discord. I have to give everybody, all my most recent members, man. I think I'll do that after the show's over because I was on Discord earlier. Um, there is a Discord OTS server. Definitely. Thank you, Rage, for the 99 times two. I appreciate you very much. Cody with the $10. Damn, Chief, you're putting in the work this week. You stream every day so far. Not that I'm complaining. Keep them coming. Also, loving the workout progress. Vids motivational. Keep at it. Thank you, Cody. I appreciate that very much. Francis Loop with a $5 Super Chat. You hit the nail on the head with all the gambling on the cons side of things. Whoever brought that up, that was a dumb idea. Thank you, Francis. This is what I do in my uh, my spare time, man. Think about pro wrestling. Hollywood guy with a $5 Super Chat. Triple H is trying to push Karrion Cross, but it's impossible because Vince killed him. That's unfortunate, yeah. It's one of the reasons why I think Karrion Cross is struggling because I think that there's just a negative feeling around him every time he's on TV because of what happened to him under Vince. Clint Bond with a 499. What if all along it is a CM Punk and FTR or Kenny Omega Young Bucks choice that Khan has to make? Which one would you choose in that either or? I'm going Punk and FTR. And Sinister with a 199. You guys are haters. Rage is correct. Sinister, I'm going to have to ask you to get the fuck out. Honestly. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to get out of here, man. I appreciate you hanging out today. I appreciate you hanging out in the venue. We got more coming up this week, man. We got more coming up this week. We got no stream tomorrow. I want to make sure you guys are aware. No stream tomorrow. Saturday, around 12.30 or so in the afternoon. We're going to do a SmackDown post show on Saturday afternoon. I will be at House of Glory on Friday night, so no stream tomorrow. So look forward to that. I'll have it set up before I go to House of Glory, so you guys know. And then Sunday, we'll be live with the podcast on Sunday night like we usually are. Appreciate you guys very much, man. Listen, thank you for all the support. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys go out and check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty, plenty, plenty of it. 
Until then, guys, have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your Thursdays, and I'll see you back on Saturday afternoon with SmackDown and the post show right here on Off the Script. I'll see you guys later.